When I was younger in my hometown, uh, which was very Catholic, it was common to see a bumper sticker that said, if you want peace, work for justice. And uh, this saying was attributed to Pope Paul VI. Uh, Many years later, after almost 15 years as a religious superior, I would want to add to this, if you want justice, become just. Most people would not connect monasteries and social justice, uh, but the connection was actually well understood in ancient times and in the Middle Ages. Monasteries were crucial institutions in the process of civilizing Europe. So Benedictines were central to the movements known as the peace and the truce of God, which limited or ended looting in, in warfare, exempted certain persons from conscription, limited private vengeance, and so on. Monasteries were critical in taming uh, sorts of persons like brigands, disciplining the crusaders, helping to develop the concepts of chivalry that included fair play, protection of the weak, and the honoring of women. Monasteries further promoted the cause of women by offering education in women's communities and in the development of the cult of the saints, especially the great devotion to the Mother of God. All this is possible because of the genius of St. Benedict, whose rule for monks has, as one of its strongest principles, an insistence on the cardinal virtue of justice. If we want justice in the world, we must train ourselves to love it, to recognize it when we see it, and, perhaps most importantly, to understand how each of us can distort justice by giving in to temptations, to lust, envy, and fear. What is this virtue of justice? It is that which helps me to know what I owe to others and how to give it to them in a proper way. And this is critical because becoming virtuous requires me to change myself. And in my opinion, this is one of the difficulties of much of the social justice rhetoric in our world today. It's all about changing someone besides myself. I first have to change myself. In the case of justice, it requires me to change how I view others and to see myself as fundamentally indebted to others, to those with whom I share my life. St. Benedict has a remarkably subtle doctrine on justice, and he frequently takes great care to spell out the mutual obligations between brothers in community. And I say mutual, these obligations always involve both brothers. Uh, We're not talking about a system of preserving power structures to benefit those at the top. We're talking about a way of living together with a variety of temperaments, of personalities, talents, and experiences. Thus, uh, senior monks are to love the junior monks, by which he means to be like fathers to them. Whereas junior monks, then, are to honor the seniors, to give place to them, to listen to them willingly. The brothers are to take the greatest care of the sick. But the sick, for their part, are to be grateful for this attention and not vex their caretakers with superfluous demands. The cellarer, the monk who oversees the finances of the monastery, is not to throw his weight around because he has the purse strings by keeping necessities from brothers who need them, uh, nor is he to be irritable when brothers ask him for things. But the brothers are to learn how and when to ask for things. The seller has to practice the art of a gracious refusal when a request is made that's not proper. 
Brothers, of course, show the abbot all kinds of marks of respect and honor and love. And the abbot then must deliver to them, he owes them, sound teaching and a good example. And the obligations of the abbot actually go on for page after page in the rule. I'm well aware of this. I always have to listen to these carefully. They apply to me. The poor who come to the door have to be treated with utmost respect, but guests must also be helped to understand the rules of the cloister and the silence that governs monastic life. And so this habit of constantly inspecting myself to see what I can and should give to the others around me, to all others, not just those who are convenient to me, uh, this makes a monk, one hopes, truly Catholic in the sense of concerned with all of God's children. And prayer should deepen this sense of connectedness and the sense of justice and obligation. In thinking over this homily, I'm used how in 22 years as a monk, I've spent about 11 years praying for a Democrat president and 11 years praying for a Republican president. We pray for him every day. But we also pray for migrants and exiles. We also pray for immigration workers and border patrol workers. We pray for policemen. We pray for protesters. We pray for lawyers and judges and litigants, detectives and soldiers. We pray for businessmen and workers and for the unemployed, for people of different races and different creeds, for entertainers, doctors, researchers, prisoners, victims of crimes, mothers, fathers, and children, elderly, the sick, the depressed, the drug user. We pray for an end to human trafficking. We pray for the whole human project in all of its grandeur and its intricacy, and, one must add, in this present darkness, squalor. But bit by bit, under the tutelage of St. Benedict, I come to see myself as connected to everyone else. And this is not in an, in an anxiety-provoking way, like I'm responsible for everybody. I'm not. But in the mystery of God's providence of putting all these persons together in the world whom he loves. I see every person I meet as my brother or sister, made to live with me eternally in heaven. And if we cultivate this virtue of justice, we may come to desire to share eternal life with everyone we meet, to share peace and joy with everyone we meet. We can glimpse this eternal life even today to the extent that we live in peace with everyone. If we desire this peace, the peace of eternal life, it's true, we must work for justice. And if we want justice, we must become just. I must change myself. To paraphrase Gerard Manley Hopkins, it is only the just man who justice is. May we Benedictines and friends of Benedictines lead the way.